So let's go ahead and open in prayer and then we'll get, get into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this night. And dear God, we just pray that you speak to us through your word. Lord, we know that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce through our hearts, our joint and marrow, Lord, separating them. And uh, Lord, your word is good and true. It helps us in, in uh, making us righteous and training us so that we can be effective. So Lord God, I just pray you bless us. Holy Spirit, help us not to leave here the same way we came in tonight. Open up your word to us now, in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, <clears throat> I was reading something about a man who went to the hospital. He, he had been in a terrible car accident and uh, the nurse comes in and uh, he had just kind of woken up and uh, they had brought him out of a, a sleep-induced coma and they said, uh, well, we have good news and we have bad news for you. And the man said, well, I guess, I guess give me the bad news first. And so the nurse said, well, you're going to lose both your legs. We're sorry. We can't do anything to save your legs. And the man is just crushed. And he says, well, what's the good news? And she's like, well, the man next to you wants to buy your shoes. I know it's a terrible joke. But the fact is, is when we receive bad news, good news doesn't seem that good really in the end. Uh, good news just seems like, ah, uh, you know, depending on, sometimes we receive bad news in the form of a letter, sometimes it's a phone call, whatever the case is. But you and I all know that feeling of our heart sinking, uh, the stress coming on us. Oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to overcome this? And, um, you know, we're in Revelation chapter 16. We've been going through the great tribulation period. And we've been seeing a lot of judgment. And this chapter, it, we're almost done with the judgment. But this chapter is full of judgment as we open up, as uh, the seven bold judgments are being poured out. But I want to, I before we go there, I want to turn over to John chapter 3 real fast. Just turn with me before we read Revelation. And let's get into John chapter 3 in the Gospels. John chapter 3, there's a verse in John chapter 3 that is absolutely incredible. In fact, this verse is probably one of the most well-known verses in the world. And I already know in your head you're already thinking about this verse. And why is this verse so popular? Because it's a summation of the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the entire word of God summed up into one verse. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Let's go to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I'll tell you, I love preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, that God loved us so much that he came that he took our sins upon himself, that he went to that cross, dying in our place, taking the punishment for us and giving to us his righteousness. I love that story. It's my favorite story. I, I, I could preach 100 sermons in a row on that. What I don't like preaching on is Revelation 16. In fact, I don't want to preach on it tonight because it's judgment. No one wants to talk about judgment. No one wants to talk about bad news, but the fact is, it's the word of God. So we're going to get into it. But before we get into the judgment, 
I need to make sure we understand the purpose of that cross is that you and I would not see judgment, but that we would see eternal life in Christ Jesus. John chapter 1 tells us that men love the darkness and they would not receive the light. I pray that tonight as we go through Revelation 16, you're not one of those people that loves the darkness. But you're one that will receive the light. Let's go to 16 verse 1. And we'll start reading this. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went out and poured out his bowl on the earth and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became like a blood of a corpse and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments, for they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets and you have given them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Let me pause there for a minute. Let's just talk about this first portion of, of these judgments. Now, in the book of Revelation, if you remember, we had a scroll. We started out with a scroll. And in that scroll, it was in chapter 6, there were seven seals on the scroll. And those seven seals were broken open and there were judgments that came out with the seals. Oh, you know what, let me back up one more time. Before we get to that, we are in the great tribulation. This tribulation is a time of judgment upon the earth. This time is God pouring out his wrath on the earth. He's given everybody one last chance to believe in him and all we've seen is rejection. So we have this, this scroll and remember, only Jesus Christ was worthy to open that scroll. And we talked about what that scroll actually was. And uh, we talked about the fact that Jesus alone is the worthy one to redeem the earth. He's that kinsman redeemer. And then as those seals started being broken open, we had judgments happening. And we got to the seventh seal. And the seventh seal brought about seven trumpets. And we had seven trumpet judgments. And now we've had the trumpet judgments happen. And here we have seven bowls, another set of judgments. And the bowls are similar to the trumpets, but if you remember, the trumpet judgments affected one-third of the earth, or one-third of the people, one-third of the sea, where these bowl judgments we're going to see are going to affect everyone. So what we see here first is the angels getting ready to pour out their bowls, and we see this Harmful and painful sores coming upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worship its, its image. Painful sores. This first plague here is, is specific and it hits a specific people. Those who reject God and took the mark of the beast. Remember we saw earlier that no one can buy or sell uh, unless they receive that mark of the beast. And, you know, there's lots of theories over time. You know, when barcodes first came out, everybody was like, it's the mark of the beast. You know, and then tattoos, whatever the case is. I, I've seen uh, now that they actually have uh, tattooed, um, tattoo or electronic ink that they can tattoo 
all your information on so you could actually just have like your credit cards and everything just on your skin and use it for, they're trying to develop that technology. You know, that we've talked about chips, microchips, you know, there's so many different theories for what the mark of the beast is and the one thing I want you to remember is Christians aren't going to take it by accident. It's not something we're going to accidentally get involved in. In fact, the majority of the church, you and I, I don't think we'll even be here. But if, if you find yourself here and you, you repent and you're coming back to Christ and you're afraid you might accidentally stumble on the mark of the beast, don't worry about it. If you're in Christ, you'll know. Uh, but so these people have taken the mark and what have they done? They've worshipped its image. And so now God is judging for them. He's, he's putting sores and boils upon them. And I don't know about you, but I, I, one of the worst things I've ever had is poison ivy or poison oak. And I, I, I'm totally allergic to it. And what will happen is uh, I'll start breaking out with it here. And then eventually it will end up here. And then it gets worse over here. And then it's down here. And I had these, when we first bought our house in Orange, we had these two trees in the backyard. And I decided I was going to go out and trim them. So I went out and trimmed them. And um, a couple days later, all of a sudden I broke out with this poison oak type rash. And I'm like, oh, man, I had it for like a month. I couldn't get rid of it. And, and it was just terrible. You know, you're waking up, and you're itchy, it's, it's burny, it hurts, and, and uh, you have to get on, um, I had to get on steroids to get off of it, not, not like bulking up steroids. Um, unfortunately, they've never prescribed those to me. Uh, I know you might mistake me for being a juicing, you know, that's good. But <laughs> this morning, uh, we woke up, and hey, Sheila. Uh, <laughs> so... This morning we woke up in the desert and it was real sunny and, and uh, <laughs> I jokingly said, sun's out, gun's out, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, anyway, enough about juicing. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, I broke out with this rash of poison oak and all over me. And, um, and uh, so then I said, okay, I don't know what I hit. Maybe it was those trees, not sure about it. I think I'm allergic to those trees. Well, then I decided that, you know what, maybe I'm really not allergic to those trees. So about three months later I decided I was going to trim those trees again. And it got even worse. It happened again. I can't imagine what it would be like to have boils and sores all over my body. Um, and, and we might think that this, this is a little bit extreme that God is doing this to, to the people uh, during this time in Revelation. But let's go to Exodus 20 real fast. Just flip over there to Exodus 20. And, and I want you just to, to understand how important this is. Exodus chapter 20, Exodus 20, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Look at verse 3, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. It is a big deal to worship idols. It is not something to be overlooked. And we might think like, well, what, what, you know, just let them go do their thing and we do our thing. Well, hold on just a minute. Have you remember what these people have been doing? They've been killing the saints. 
We, we've already seen earlier in Revelation the voice of the saints crying out unto the altar of God for vengeance. They've been the ones martyring the people of God, the people worshiping God. Is idol worship and false worship destructive? It absolutely it is. Not only is it destructive to the individual because it leads us astray, it leads us into sin and into death, but then it also leads us to do things that are harmful to others. It leads us for, to justifications and, and poor thoughts that, that end up hurting other people. And I'll tell you, and I've said it before, but you might think some religions out there are very peaceful, but let me just explain for a minute. You know, Buddhism, Hinduism, sounds like a good, good idea, sounds like a, a pretty peaceful religion. When you go to a country and you live in a country that operates under that worldview, you don't see peacefulness at work there. You don't see charity at work there. In fact, in, in that earthquake, what we saw was those of the high caste being dug out, but those of a low caste, they get to stay. They deserve it. You don't see people who are in wheelchairs or handicapped being taken care of, people who have lost limbs on jobs or been hurt. You don't see the people caring for them saying, hey, they've lost something, we need to care for them. No, what you say is they deserve it. You see that the evil in the worldview, it's not goodness. It's, it's really in the Christian worldview that we have this charity, this loving kindness, and, and the fact that our our, the United States of America operates under this idea that if someone's hurt, we should care for them. If someone's handicapped, we should care for them. That's the product of a Christian worldview, not the rest of the world, not other religions. So when we look at this, we can say that not only are they rejecting God as God, but they're worshiping a false idol, a false beast, and then they're going out and destroying God's people. And you know, just rejecting God alone should be enough for God to judge. I mean, think about it. He's the creator of all things. He, he's the one who holds all things in existence. By him they were created, for him they were created, and by him they're sustained. Jesus Christ, Colossians chapter 2, we read. It's sustained by God. Is it right for us to go, nah, you didn't do it. Can we talk to a holy God, a just God, an all-powerful God and say, you're not worthy of my worship. Has anybody ever been disrespectful to you? Has that made you angry? You know, and usually when we get angry about stuff like that, we get unjustly angry. But just think that for a minute. Respect is due to God. Worship is due him. And you, the creation, say, no, I don't want to, I'm not going to worship you. I'm going to worship this false idol, this beast, this satanic uh, religion. So God starts pouring out judgment. The second angel poured out his bowl in the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse. Every, every living thing died that was in the sea. Man, talk about a picture of humanity during the great tribulation. Just a stinking cesspool of nastiness. Can you imagine? I, have you ever been to the beach during red tide? When red tide happens, it stinks really bad. The, the uh, algae comes in the red. And, um, you know, I've been to the beach on weird days when gel tons of jellyfish come up on the shore or whatever, and you get that just nasty stink from dead, dying animals. Well, here we're talking about every single animal dying. Now, the sea could be referring to just the Mediterranean Sea, or it could be referring to the total sea. It's not very clear there. 
um, I, I kind of tend to think it's talking about the whole sea. But what we see is, is that um, everything's going to die. It's a picture. It's a picture of what's coming for all of humanity here. Everything's going to die. But will they turn? Third angel poured out his bowl and the rivers and the springs of water became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, just are you, holy are you. For you brought these judgments. Notice what the angel says at the end of this passage. It is what they deserve. They martyred your saints. They took their blood. Let them drink blood. Can you imagine turning on your hose, blood coming out? Turn on your faucet at home. Turn on the shower and blood. Think there's an image there? God's getting across. Notice what the angel says though. Just are you. You're the holy one. We look at these, these judgments and we're like, man... That, that's, wow, that seems kind of harsh. But throughout Scripture, we're going to see that God is being just. He doesn't go overboard with his judgments. You and I, we do that. When, when someone takes an eye, we want to take their life. You know, God is always just in all of his judgments. Romans 12, 19 uh, gives us a, an interesting perspective on vengeance. In Romans 12, 19... It says this, <clears throat> Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God, God reminds the children, his children that, listen, vengeance belongs to him alone. He's the just one. As Christians, we're going to leave vengeance to him. Now, do you and I want to avenge ourselves often? Yeah, I think we do. You know, <laughs> just drive the freeway in morning traffic. You know, <laughs> there's lots of people that want to go out for vengeance, you know. Uh, in California, we, 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 we hate it when people cut us off and whatever. But listen, for the Christian... We recognize, no, this is, God's, this is God's realm. I'm not going to cross over into God's business. God's business is vengeance. What is my business? My business is showing love. I'm not, I'm not going to take God's business. I, do, do we want to avenge ourselves? Yes, but listen, dear Christians, let God avenge. Because I'll tell you right now, when God does it, he will do it well. He will do it justly. It will be in such a way that all people will be saying, yeah, that was a good judgment. Just are you. Holy are you, God. And, and in turn, you have the ability to show love now. That passage in Romans says that you're heaping burning coals onto their head. Now, we read that and we kind of tend to think like, yeah, okay, I'll be nice and kind of stick it to them that way. As, as I'm nice to, to this, this enemy of mine or this person that, that hurt me, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be heaping coals of judgment upon their head. That, that's not what it's talking about. Actually, what it's talking about in the first century, if your fire goes out, you don't have matches or a lighter sitting around. You know, I take that for granted that we can turn on our stove and it lights up or you can even use a lighter to light your stove. But imagine living in the first century and fire going out. What do you do to get fire? Go get some sticks and rub them together? Anybody ever try to make fire from sticks? <clears throat> I've done this, not successfully from sticks. But even just trying to use like fire still to make fire, 
there's been times where I've been really successful and times not so much. I was up in backpacking with some of the youth kids in the Sierras and, and um, Wyatt and I were, we had caught some fish and we were like, hey, let's just, we had been out kind of in the backcountry for a while and we are like, let's just cook the fish now and we'll eat it. And so we, we had all of our stuff to, to our fire still and we, we got a little pile together, a safe place to, to make a little fire to cook these little fish, these trout that we caught. And uh, we, we'd done it before. We'd made fire lots of times before. We, we knew what we were doing. And we could, like, we would get a flame and we just couldn't keep it going. It would just go out. It would snuff out. It was so hard and painful. Man, it would have been nice to have a lighter right then, you know, so we could have made it. So we just ended up not eating fish and <laughs> bringing, them, bringing them back. But the whole idea here is that if I'm your neighbor and I've been a, a jerk to you, you know, I'm, I'm the type of neighbor you don't want to be friendly to. And I come and say, hey, can I have some coals? My fire went out. You're going you're gonna to heap them on my head. You're going to put them in my fire pot so I can take them back home and get my fire lit so my family can stay warm. It's really showing love. That's what Paul is talking about here in Romans. Showing love to those who do you wrong. You and I live in this wonderful time of grace where we can show love to our enemies. In this time of tribulation, God will show judgment. To his enemies. And you and I will be like, man, I'm glad I left the judgment to you, God. You did it right. We, we won't be in disagreement. Just are you, holy are you, for you brought these judgments, for they have shed blood of the saints and prophets, and you give them blood to drink. It is what they deserve. Now listen, it says, and I heard the altar saying, what is, uh, that, I think that's just the personification of the saints here. In the Greek, it tends to have that this tense of that it's really speaking about the saints under the altar, not the altar itself speaking. So yes, Lord God, the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. Everyone's in agreement. The fourth angel poured out his bowl, verse 8, on the, on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent and give him glory. Now, all we can do is speculate about the different types of things that are going to happen during the tribulation. But obviously it's very possible that nuclear warfare could happen. And, you know, the, uh, it's interesting because what I read about um, a nuclear bomb detonating in the atmosphere actually does more damage to the ozone than any of us could ever do with hairspray. Uh, <laughs> if you were alive in the 80s, you remember that hairspray was the, the biggest obstacle to the ozone. And uh, it burned holes in the ozone and everything like that. But anyway, uh, what I've read is that, that uh, a nuclear warhead, if it explodes, I mean, it, it would do massive damage to the ozone. And on top of that, you have a sun. Now, if we explain it that way, it's possible. But here's what we do know. God is going to allow the sun to give such fierce heat coming off of it that we, people will be scorched. We're talking the worst of hot days. I came back and my, I forgot to put on sunblock and I, I'm truly a redneck. Don't judge me, okay. <laughs> Just my, uh, I got sunburnt this weekend. But uh, so I, I, I hate being sunburnt and this would be an awful day. And notice what the people do, what their response is. You and I are thinking poor people because, I, I mean, I, that's how I am. I'm kind of a compassionate guy. I don't like anybody being judged. I, I, I'm the type of guy that would rather go like, oh, maybe I, we can ease that up and not... Not make it so bad. I, I hate when I have to spank my kids. I absolutely hate it. And, uh, but if it has to be done, I'll do it. And uh, 
I always try to convince my kids, can you please not do this again so we don't have to go here? I really don't want to spank you. You know, but uh, here the response to God is what? To curse his name. The, the word cursed there is actually blaspheme. Say all, uh, all sorts of terrible things. Bring down the name of God. Uh, what, what would be a, term, a, a way to blaspheme God? Well, you guys have heard it. You, you hear it in movies. You've heard it on job sites. You, you hear it. You know how people use God's name as curse words. You, you know what it means to blaspheme the name of God. You know what it means for people that talk about God as in such ways that are, that are awful or like other people. You know? You, you know what I'm talking about. I don't even want to say it from up here. But this is what their, their response is. Their response is, okay, God, we give up. We have screwed this thing up. We have totally messed this thing up. Please relent and show us mercy. That's not the response. The response is to curse God. They did not repent and give him glory. Do you think God would have changed if they would have repented and given him glory? I think absolutely God would have relented. Absolutely. But they would not repent or give him glory. Would Pharaoh's army, would, would they have lived if Pharaoh would have repented and given God glory? Absolutely. Would the firstborn of all of Egypt have lived if they have, would have repented and given God glory? Absolutely. But unfortunately, here we see man at his absolute worst. I'm God. I don't need to fear you. In fact, I'm going to start blaspheming you. I'm going to curse you all the more. I'm going to blame you for all the reasons why I don't believe in you. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and the, its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and sores. They did not repent for their deeds. Here it is again. God sends this darkness over the land, much like what happened in the book of Exodus. He sends another darkness. This is so interesting. The darkness is stressful. It, it brings about anguish. Jesus, kind of, Jesus also referred to this as a weeping and gnashing of teeth and gnawing of tongues. Jesus talked about this, this kind of darkness. He talked about being cast out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and gnawing of tongues. And here this darkness, it's, it's really as if God is giving each individual a taste of hell. He's giving, well, of course, they've been going through it, but he's giving them this taste, and notice what they do. They did not repent of their deeds. They did not repent. You can't help but think of the story of Lazarus and the rich man, and, and you have the beggar Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man passed by the beggar day after day, Jesus says, and, and they both die. They both go down into Abraham's bosom, and, and one man... The Lazarus goes to the bosom of Abraham and it's paradise and it's, it's great. And the rich man goes to the other side and there's a chasm between them. And where he's at, it's burning and it's hot. And he's just wishing, he's begging for, for Lazarus just to put a drop of water on his tongue. Just to quench his thirst. And, and then he says, to, to, he says to Abraham, hey, let me go back. Let me go back and warn my, my kin. 
let me go back and warn my family so that they too won't make this mistake. And of course in the parable or the story that Jesus tells, it, it, it said it's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. The fact is, is you wouldn't have changed. You were warned of this. You, you would have continued on doing this. And man is continuing, did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl. Sorry, I was getting a phone call on my iPad. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great uh, river Euphrates, and its water was dried up to prepare the, the way for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. They, for they are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. You know, when we read Revelation, this is the kind of stuff that makes us go, whoa, what, what is that? All frogs, spirit frogs coming out of people's mouths. Um, you know, and here's, here's what I can say about this. All we have is what John said. And Lord willing, uh, you and I will be up in heaven kind of watching this play out and go, ah, now we understand what we're talking about, John. But here's, here's what's happening. As, as the angel pours out his bowl, the great river Euphrates is dried up. Now, have you ever looked at a map and seen where the river Euphrates runs? I, I, if I would have had time before I got back, I literally got out of the truck, asked my wife to bring some clothes, took a shower here at the church, and, and, <laughs> and got in in time from the youth retreat. So I apologize for not having time to get you a map. But the, the Great River Euphrates runs from, from Turkey all the way down through the Middle East and, and out at the, uh, the Arabian Peninsula. It's a massive river. And it's, that, it's a river that is, uh, you know, for instance, if Turkey, Turkey who has a dam, the same builders who built the Aswan Dam in Egypt built a dam for Turkey, and it blocks up the water coming to Syria. In fact, ISIS a couple years ago, what, that was one of their things because Turkey started cutting off some of the water, and ISIS got really mad about that, and they, they were giving threats to Turkey about cutting off their water. But this river supplies so much to the Middle East, and here what we see is this river Euphrates dries up. Now, whether or not it's a drought or whether it's, it's a, the, the water's cut off, whatever the case is, we're going to see that it's going to allow for armies to move more easily into the, the Levant or Israel and the Valley of Megiddo where Armageddon is going to take place. Interesting that when Babylon was conquered by Cyrus the Persian, that's how he did it. They dammed up the river. Uh, of the Euphrates, and they came up the riverbed right into Babylon. There was no battle whatsoever. They took it without a fight. Cyrus the Persian. So we're going to see that this river is, is dried up, and they come in, and these, these spirits, these demonic spirits performing signs go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God Almighty. These spirits are going to draw down all the kings of the earth into this, this valley, preparing for Armageddon. You know, 
we're going to talk more about Armageddon in a little bit here uh, in a couple weeks. I want to draw your attention to verse 15 before we close tonight. This is the attention I, wa I want to put on this. We have a little parenthetical statement by Jesus. And why do I think it's Jesus? Because he's the one who always is coming like a thief. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. I don't believe that message is for those who are living during the tribulation. I believe that message is for you and me who are reading about the tribulation. The, the message is very similar to what he said to the church in Sardis. Remember, to the church in Sardis, he said, hey, I counsel you to, to buy, buy clothes, garments that appear white, but you're naked and exposed because of your sin. And, of course, we have, we have so, many, so many passages of Jesus where he talks about being prepared, being ready. The, the virgins with their, their lamps ready for the bridegroom to come. Jesus says, I'm coming like a thief. Are you ready? Because the fact is, when a thief comes, if we are not ready, the owner of the house suffers great loss. I don't know if you've ever had anything stolen from you or your house broken into or car or whatever the case is. I've, it's happened a couple times here at church, actually. We've, the church has been broken into and lost stuff from my office. And, and uh, thankfully, it's usually my office and not, not the sanctuary and other places where it could be much greater. But still, one of the bad parts about it is no matter what somebody steals when they break in and steal it, you feel violated. You feel like, oh, man. <laughs> you feel terrible. Um, <laughs> We went on a camping trip one time and uh, we stopped for food and bags disappeared out of the truck. We get to the, the spot and uh, somebody's saying, hey, where's my bag? Hey, where's my bag? And we're like, no, your bag is here. Did you pack it? Are you sure you packed it? Sure enough, somebody had come by and taken the bags while we were park eating. It, it feels terrible. And you're just kind of like, why would they do that? That's messed up. And, 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 it, and it hurts and you suffer loss. That's what thieves do. If they come and we're not ready for them, we suffer loss. And Jesus is using that idea to express that those who are not ready are going to be at, at a loss. You're going to enter into this tribulation. You'll be during this period. You'll be exposed. But and, and it's interesting here. This is actually a beatitude in Revelation. Blessed. That word blessed? Happy. Happy is the one who stays awake. Happy is the one who keeps his garments on and is ready. And when we talk about garments, we're not talking about like never take off your clothes. Okay. Some groups out there, some cults misinterpret this. And, uh, and they, they never want to be without their garments. Um, you may know who I'm talking about. Okay, it's Mormons. Um. But it's not talking about garments, it's talking about your righteousness. Being prepared, being holy, clothed in righteousness. Blessed are you, happy are you who stay awake and are clothed in righteousness, that they, he may not go about naked and being seen exposed. Man, I don't know about you, but um, everybody has a dream that they're naked. At some point, up in front of her, like, oh, you know, no one wants to be naked. We especially don't want our sin being exposed. How many of you guys would volunteer for a list of your sins to run on the screen for church? 
You know what I'm talking about. All of your sin. Every bit that you're ashamed of. You know, Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful for him. That clean conscience he gives me. But I still think back to things I did before knowing him. And I regret. I regret those things. I, I wish I could go back and not have done those. Because there's a shame when I think about my old life outside of Christ. I definitely don't want those things running on the screen. Those are embarrassments to me. And I'm sure they are to you. Blessed is that one. Happy is that one who's ready. Keeping their garments of righteousness on. This is a call to you, Christian. You, dear believer. To be ready for your Savior. So that you're not caught off guard. You're not caught at a loss. Judgment is serious to God. Holiness is also a serious thing. You don't think so? Well, he's willing to die on a cross for you. Willing to give his own son for you and for me. That's a pretty serious thing. Any of you guys ever offer up your son for other people? Oh, yeah, you go ahead and take him. You can sacrifice him. Or your child. I wouldn't do that. We're talking serious business to God. Our holiness is very serious to God. Because it is our holiness that allows us to continue having a relationship with him. And be with him in eternity. It is our sinfulness that separates us from him. It's our sinfulness that impacts our relationship with him. It's our sinfulness that continues to bring evil into this world. What is evil? Evil is the absence of goodness. Evil is the absence of us doing what God requires of us. Does a little bit of evil matter? Absolutely. Mattered a whole lot when that fruit was taken off that tree and eaten. It ushered in a whole flood of sin into this world and injustice. Sorry, injustice. <clears throat> I just want you to consider, will you be awake? Will you be ready for your Savior or will you be found asleep? That's the charge for you tonight, for you and me. We don't have to fear judgment. God doesn't want us to fear judgment. He wants us to be ready for Him so that we can avoid judgment altogether. It's pretty simple. Jesus, I need you. I need you more and more in my life. If you have a sin, repent of it. Confess it to the Lord. Give it to him. Be forgiven. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time together in your word. And um, Lord, I thank you that although what we deserve is judgment, Lord, I myself have blasphemed your name. I myself have laughed at jokes. But yet, God, you love me. And you give me opportunity to be restored and forgiven. And I thank you so much, Jesus Christ, for dying on that cross for me. If you're in this room tonight, and you need to be forgiven of your sin, you just confess it to the Lord Jesus. Say, save me, Jesus, I need you. I'm going to turn from it now, and I'm ready to follow you. We love you, dear God. We just pray, Lord, you'd help us to be clothed in righteousness. Lord, help us to be lovers of your word and doers of it. Help us to be faithful, staying awake and alert, not being slothful, lazy, and asleep. I don't want to miss a thing, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.